Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and Privates, we are back talking about one of my favorite topics, sex worker labor rights. And as you may know from the recent episode with Velveeta of the Star Garden strippers who are newly unionized strippers in North Hollywood, California, they were hugely inspired by the lusties of the lusty lady in San Francisco. And the lusties were the first strippers to successfully unionize in the U.S. in 1997. And the Star Garden dancers also got assistance from Strippers United. And there is a woman who has been involved in both of these efforts. And she actually inspired this whole new generation of strippers that has been successful as of late. And her name is Antonia Crane. She is one of the original co-founders of Soldiers of Pole, now known as Strippers United. And we are going to get to know her in a two-part series. This is part one. Hi, I'm Antonia Crane. I'm the founder of Strippers United. I'm an author. I'm a PhD candidate at USC. And I advocate and champion the rights of strippers and sex workers everywhere. So let's rewind back to 2019. I had been watching Antonia start Soldiers of Pole on social media. I'd maybe been watching this unfold for a few months. So I'd maybe started seeing stuff in 2018. And I was following some other strippers at the time who were becoming involved. So I wound up reporting a story, which was called Strippers Dance to a Different Tune with New Employee Status for KCRW, which is a local NPR affiliate based in Santa Monica, California. And the story story ran in March of 2019. It was my first ever radio story. It's just a little quick one and I want to play it for you now. It's a Friday night at Jumbo's Clown Room in Hollywood. A lingerie clad dancer shimmies up the pole, arches back and drops to the floor. The crowd rewards her with raucous cheers and a flurry of dollar bills hit the stage. It looks like a typical night at the strip club, except something major has changed. This stripper and her colleagues are now regular old working stiffs. They're employees of Jumbos. This time last year, they were freelancers. But everything changed for them and lots of other freelance workers in California after a state Supreme Court decision in April. The Dynamex case said contract delivery drivers should be classified as employees. And that became a watershed moment for workers in a variety of industries. 26-year veteran dancer Antonia Crane explains. We have a lot in common with Uber and Lyft because it's they are supplying their own vehicles and they are a gig economy. It's a really specific thing to a gig economy where we have so many freelance people living and juggling all of these jobs in which we have very 
little rights. We have very little voice. But now as employees, strippers statewide are entitled to more worker protections, like unemployment insurance, workers' comp, and the right to unionize. Still, the change in classification hasn't necessarily made their lives better. In general, they're finding new ways to skim our tips and not pay paychecks and to they're trying to find a way to not pay us anything and to make us pay for their tax evasion and pay their federal and state taxes by taking it out of our paychecks. The owner of Jumbos and other strip club owners wouldn't record an interview for this story. But Ryan Carlson, director of operations for the Deja Vu chain of strip clubs, sent an email response to questions about the treatment of strippers who work there. Carlson agreed that strippers aren't better off now. He wrote that most dancers, quote, want nightly cash to have control over their own schedule and taxes and all of the flexibility that comes with being an independent contractor. They want to be able to go from club to club where the money is hot, and they want to have some level of anonymity that the profession demands. Employment attorney Shannon Liss-Reardon says she's heard it before. They're saying that the workers like these flexible schedules that the gig economy has set up. And again, there's no reason why they couldn't have such a flexible schedule with the protections of employees. And we've been seeing the argument made for a very long time, decades, uh, in all kinds of industries of companies trying to get around these rules because it saves them money. Business groups are lobbying in Sacramento to suspend the California court's decision. That's why Democrats in the state legislature have introduced a bill that would codify key components of the Dynamex decision into state law. This would result in fewer lawsuits and more clarity about who is an employee. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez is the bill's author. She says the problems in the gig economy are serious and widespread. Individuals being subject to wage theft, individuals being subject to possible human trafficking, individuals who are part of the underground economy who aren't paying their taxes, and employers who aren't doing their fair share. So I just don't want to get too hung up on this being about strip clubs. They've had this problem long before Dynamex, and they're going to have it long after, I'm sure. Steve Smith with the California Labor Federation agrees. There's been a lot of talk about the gig economy and Uber drivers, and certainly they're a part of this. But for decades, we've seen primarily low-wage and immigrant workers, many of whom live and work in Southern California, being exposed to the perils of, of misclassification. And that really creates an instable, insecure, not only work life, but life itself for so many of these workers. Meanwhile, the strippers aren't waiting around for Sacramento to take care of them. They're organizing a union which they're entitled to do now that they're employees. The union is called Soldiers of Pole. For KCRW, I'm Courtney Kosak. Hey, privates. Privates with penises, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Our sponsor, Fleshlight, can help you reach new heights with your self-pleasure. And that is because Fleshlight is the number one selling male sex toy in the world. And they don't just leave you hanging over there. At Fleshlight, you can explore sex toys with expert guides and advice, especially if you're a beginner or you're looking to level up. If you have been listening to the show for a while, you know how I feel about self-pleasure. And it is very, very good. And I definitely endorse using sex toys. I have a lot of fun with sex toys myself. So with the Fleshlight Girls series, you can embrace your wildest porn star fantasies with a different porn actress every night. 
What? With the variety of models, sensations, and intensities, you can live out limitless fantasies. And you can automate your fantasies with the universal launch that fits most Fleshlight products. With its innovative touch control system, just set the controls, sit back, and enjoy. And you have pleasure right in your hands. Your pleasure is in your complete control. And as the ultimate male pleasure device on the market, it's as versatile as you are. Anatomical, stamina building, vibrating, or made for couples, you name it. You define your luxury moment. And I just want to say, if you have any shame around sex toys, please don't. It is so much better than being weird with girls because you feel kind of desperate or whatever. Fleshlight just allows you to chill out, wait for the right girl when she comes, and in the meantime, you know you are going to be getting yours and having a good time. So you don't even have to sweat it. And right now, Fleshlight is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners 10% off your order with our code PRIVATE10. So you just go to ppupod.com. That's the website, ppupod.com. You click Fleshlight and you use the promo code PRIVATE10 to get 10% off your delicious new device. Again, that is ppupod.com and enter code PRIVATE10 and it really helps support the show. It helps support yourself and your own sex drive. So go ahead and use the link in the episode description. We can all be horny together. We can keep this podcast going. So get yourself a flashlight and get yourself off. So now I am going to give you the full interview with Antonia that started all of this sex worker labor rights reporting for me, which I've done a lot of now. And this interview took place in February 2019. It was a month prior to the story that you just heard going live. And it was crazy to listen back to this tape as I was editing because this was my first radio story, period. And it took me way back to the beginning, technical difficulties and all. So a little backstory, I met Antonia at the Everly Hotel in Hollywood near where I used to live. And I was working with some new gear. I remember that I had just got it because I was really like going hard on these radio stories and podcasting in general. So I had an Audio-Technica microphone that I had never used before and my new Zoom H4N recorder. And I'd used that same recorder before, but not this particular one. It was brand new. And for some reason, the beginning of our conversation didn't record. Nightmare scenario, right? The worst. Maybe the microphone was on the wrong channel or the settings weren't compatible yet or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember needing to re-ask basically everything we'd already talked about. So Anthony and I had this amazing conversation and then we had to redo it and Antonia had a heart out. She had somewhere she had to be. So we were basically racing time to get this all on tape again. And we'd had a whole amazing long conversation. So if you hear me ask leading questions or try to paraphrase something she'd said previously, that is why. Anyway, I have come a long way. And so has the sex worker labor rights movement that has now just had such a resounding success story. And Antonia helped ignite this movement in Los Angeles, and she also helped set me on this path. And what happened actually after this interview, just a matter of weeks later, 
is Sophia and I recorded another interview with Antonia and two other dancers from Soldiers of Pole. And that was our very first episode of Private Parts Unknown after it transitioned from Reality Bites. So this is really a pivotal interview for me. And obviously this was at the beginning of something big for Soldiers of Pole, which is now Strippers United. So let's hear how it all started. What is happening now that wasn't happening before in terms of hours, workers' comp seems actually essential to you guys. Mm -hmm. You could get hurt on the job. Yeah. That's like a big deal. So just do a breakdown mm -hmm. of like, this is what was happening before. This is what's happening now. Okay. Why are people scared? Why are club owners scared? What was happening before was arbitrary fees, women getting hurt on the pole, or hurting themselves on the job, being sexually assaulted, being drugged by customers, being robbed by customers, getting in trouble if we were to call the cops, being stolen from by the club itself, half our money. And what is happening now is that we are employees so that we can band together as a workforce and unionize and change things. We can have workers' comp. We could have health insurance if we want. We have every right to these basic rights as an employee. We have every right, and clubs are cutting hours, making sure that we're less than half-time, mass firings, and making sure that what they call problem girls like me, ones with big mouths that talk on the job about these types of things, are constantly intimidated, constantly cornered, and scared to go to work. Let's talk about employee classification for a second, because there are three tent poles of employee classification. Can you speak a little bit about why you guys actually are employees versus independent contractors, as you had been labeled before? We were legally independent contractors before, but we were actually a workforce. We could actually argue that we were employees before. It has to do with whose work is being done, and it has to do with the work that's being done in the clubs is our own work. And so we go there and the work that's being done is within what the club has inside the club. For instance, an independent contractor would be that if you were going into a place and building shelves because you're a woodworker, you go in and you build the shelves, use whatever you need to do that, and you are paid for that job. And when it's complete, you take your employees or helpers or assistants and your supplies and you leave and you have completed that. Well, that doesn't make any sense for strippers because we go, we supply all of our own things, costumes, music, our bodies, our personalities, and we go there and we entertain. And then we work a shift or two, we talk to customers and we leave. We're not selling their product. So we've always been employees because they do tell us when to dance and how to dance and they do have some control over what we do inside the club. So if anytime an employee has the power to fire you and can have any sort of control over when you show up and how you show up, when you dance and how you dance, who you talk to, who you don't talk to, you're an employee. And so, but now it's absolutely the Supreme Court of California has decided, yes, we are employees. So that's different. So like a version of you as an independent contractor is you actually booking parties by yourself. That would be your own business. But even someone doing like different wedding events or something like that, that wouldn't be 
they're still booking through someone else. I guess what I'm saying. So there are hardly any cases where dancers are really, they're almost always employees. Well, this is why sex work is an interesting thing to talk about. Because there are many things that go under the umbrella of sex work. I will say that dancing inside of a club and showing up for that shift, dancing on the stage when I'm told to dance, all of that, in addition to the fact that the California Supreme Court has said we are now employees, makes us employees. There's something happening now where people are saying, well, we should be able to choose whether we're independent contractors or employees. No, actually, you don't. Actually, the Supreme Court of California just decided that for you. You're an employee. That said, can we please move forward now and unionize and get the absolute basic human rights that any workforce, particularly a marginalized one such as us, we have every right to ask for basic things, safety, safety, basic safety, workers' comp, health insurance, sure, but how about stop stealing half our tips and making up these fines and stop charging us to work for you? You can't charge actual employees no. for things like security or chair fees or things like that. No. We have to rethink what we think of when we think of work. And I think the outdated model of work is a pimp mentality, which here's the pimp mentality. And I don't know what else to call it. And I mean no offense to, to this. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not talking about a pimp in the sense of this person having a race. I'm talking more about a business model, which means like the pimp mentality goes like this. You're my product that I'm selling. I get half of what you're doing. That's ridiculous and exploitive, and that is illegal, and that is harmful, and that is exploitive, and that is wrong, and we're tired of that. And, and it's basically a system that we need to fight. It's a form of skimming right now, because and we talked about this a little bit before, mm -hmm. but the clubs have other ways that they're making money. They're mm -hmm. selling drinks, mm -hmm. they're able to charge a fee at the door. Can you speak a little bit about when you're used to exploiting a workforce, what they're doing now is they're trying to find other ways to exploit us, like not give us anything similar to part-time or half-time or full-time work. And they're trying to make us pay for their federal and state taxes. So the reason why this happened also is because strip clubs have a legacy of evading federal and state taxes. And what they're doing is they are committing wage theft and stealing it from us, from the worker. So this is happening right now. They are trying to skim our wages and they're trying to find little loopholes of how to get the money from us, like giving it to a third party and having us not touch that money. But it's still wage theft. They're still stealing our tips. Let's talk a little bit about that club, but where you talked about their, have the sweeper, that whole thing. Right. So this has been going on for a while, and um, women in New York have been fighting this for a while behind the New York stripper strike. And it has to do with the club bringing in outside people, to, uh, Instagram personalities dressed like strippers, but they're not strippers, to directly compete with the women for the tips. And in California, here on Sunset Boulevard, I believe, they hire sweepers, an outside person, to come and collect the money on stage that the dancer just earned by doing her show, and they confiscate that money, bring it into the back, take their cut, and don't give the rest to the dancer until 4 a.m. And she doesn't even know how much money she made. 
So they're they're counting. She has no way to know, like, did they actually take their percentage or did they... What percentage? Tell me how, what is your percentage? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. This is wage theft. This is stealing money directly from the women who are doing the work. And so we have to think about what is the work being done? And we need to, we need to rethink the system that has failed women for decades. That has not only failed us, but exploited us, not kept us safe, that has criminalized us, that has completely stigmatized us to the point where we don't even know how to ask for what is fair anymore. But you know what? The thing that's different today is we do. That we have this opportunity and we're taking it. We are called Soldiers of Pole, SOP. It's three women, one in their 20s, one in their 30s, and I'm in my 40s. <laughs> All very different from very different backgrounds. And we are working together to unionize the clubs. And we have a manifesto and we are fighting for the vendetta against strippers to stop and the wage theft to stop and the racism to stop. And we want to be a we want to be sanctuary strippers. We are a sanctuary state and we want to be sanctuary strippers. We want immigrant women to feel safe in strip clubs. We want women of color to feel safe in the strip clubs. We know that strippers are sex workers and sex workers are strippers, so get over it. Those two things are together and we want to stand together as sex workers and fight this as a workforce. Can you talk a little bit about the inception of SOP? Is that, or SOP? Yeah. Which do you prefer? Oh, Soldiers of Pole, SOP, either one, SOP. We, I just came up with it randomly because I made a short film. I'm a filmmaker and I wanted to come up with sort of a catchy name, Soldiers of Pole. So I'm actually directing a documentary about the strippers we unionized in 1995, SEIU Local 790, the Exotic Dancers Alliance. And we were a startlingly group of intelligent women. And I'm not talking about myself, I was a mess, but the women around me were incredibly intelligent and tough. This is in San Francisco? Yeah, this is San Francisco at the Lusty Lady, circa 1995 to 1998. And that vintage of sex worker women are all incredible. A lot of them are PhDs, business owners, attorneys, union organizers, they're all these incredible women. And so the documentary that I'm directing is about women helping other women and the generational love and help between women. Can you talk a little bit about how, okay, so you did unionize, you were part of this unionization effort before, mm -hmm. and how did things change then? What, how did unionization improve the lives and careers of the women that were involved? This is a longer question. But I want to say that when, and this is where a conversation about how we view work and women's work in particular is seen in culture. And San Francisco is a special place. I think you know that. It's a revolutionary town. It always has been. And what it gave us was self-esteem and pride in our workforce. We knew that it was great to be a stripper in the 90s in San Francisco behind glass, and we were having, there was a huge amount of fun about it all. And it also, there were hard days as well. It was difficult to, to unionize, but men were coming in and filming us without our permission or consent. And although there were other problems about working there that are still the same problems today, racist policies, body shaming policies, 
firing people for no reason, ageism, ageism is huge, stigma, because we were upset that people were coming in and filming us. It was a different world then. We didn't know what the World Wide Web was or what they were doing with that footage. So what that gave us was just the ability to band together and organize, and it gave us the self-esteem to really make our lives better for each other and to make, to make stripping great again. So that's so funny because this is actually one of the best things that's happened for workers on Trump's watch. Can you speak to that a little bit? It's just like an odd, it's unexpected. Yeah. Right, so this is a piece of legislation that is a rare thing. It's like a happy accident that happened on Trump's watch, and it's a piece of legislation that is for the worker and not for the corporation. And it's a, I wonder if it's because of the class action lawsuits that strippers tend to win huge class action lawsuits about our misclassification issue. But I know that it's also because these strip clubs have been evading federal and state taxes for 40 years or more. Can we talk a little bit about, because a, a lot of these class actions deal with the Dynamics cases, barbers, but there have been other... No, the Dynamics cases, cases, drivers. Drivers. Uber drivers, right? No, or, it's a delivery truck drivers. Okay, so, but this is the same issue that Uber and Lyft drivers and a lot of other people in the gig economy are experiencing, right? We have a lot in common with Uber and Lyft because it's um, they are supplying their own vehicles and uh, they are a gig economy. It's a really specific thing to a gig economy where we have so many freelance people living and juggling all of these jobs in which we have very little rights. We have very little voice and it's really a piece of legislation that I think is a a rare and delicious treat, and that we can um, use it as a springboard to better our environment. And also super important is to just help baby strippers and women coming into this industry now and make their lives better than it was before and to improve things. And for veterans, I mean, for veterans like myself, we're athletes and the knees and the hips and the shoulders and the neck, I mean, I have thrown my body upside down for 26 years in roller skates. Like, I have the rotator cuff injuries to prove it. And I learned everything I know from black strippers in San Francisco. And it would be really nice to take time off and, you know, hire a chiropractor and be able to get an x-ray of my neck. And, you know, forget about me. What about people who actually get really injured on the job? who get injured, the pole breaks. I've literally, I used to teach pole and the pole has broken, literally. Like that is a real thing. Do you want to know my club? It's worse than the corporate clubs. In general, they're finding new ways to skim our tips and not pay paychecks. And to, they're trying to find a way to not pay us anything and to make us pay for their tax evasion and pay their federal and state taxes by taking it out of our paychecks. That's what they're doing. That's literally what they're doing. I have documents that I can share and I can read you what it literally says on paychecks. They are trying to evade paying us and treating us as employees. They're basically making things worse. Every time something changes, it's never in our favor. This is the one time that this change is in strippers' favor and we can do something about it. But it has to do with us realizing that we have these rights 
And as a stigmatized workforce, used to not having a voice and not having rights, it's really hard to convince people. Women who are under duress and stressed out and don't understand these arbitration agreements that they're being made to sign, and by the way, coerced and intimidated to, to be signed, to join together and that they have a voice. And they will do everything they can to divide and conquer us, to not allow us to speak to each other. So that's happening now. Although I have to tell you, if you are a stripper and you're working in a club, you're an employee, which means you have every right to talk about the workforce, no matter what is going on. If anyone is being rude and disrespectful to you, stealing your tips, intimidating you, making you sign stuff, you have every right to talk about it and to ask questions and go to Soldiers of Pole and tell us what's going on in your club and join Strip Talk on Wednesday nights where we can hear what's going on in your club so that we can come in there and change it. So Strip Talk is a forum where dancers come together and so you guys can help each other troubleshoot these problems? Yeah, it's a talk that we have that they literally can get the link. It's strippers only. And we've had the older, um, the vintage lusty ladies come and tell us what they think we should do now and how we can, the road that we want to take to unionize and the road that we want to take and certain actions that we might consider doing to help us unionize. We've had guest speakers we're doing um, a couple of strip talks on race, so we want to hear about racism in the clubs and what's going on there, because we, we need to document all of this. We've retained a lawyer, our lusty lady dancer turned labor lawyer of 20 years. We've retained her, so and just, it's a long game. We're playing the long game, ladies. Would you say that <laughs> you think the dynamics and the reclassification is a, a net positive? things are headed in a better direction. Is that what I'm getting? Things are a shit show now because of what they're trying to do, but we have an opportunity to unionize and change things for the better. I see this as a glimmer of hope. I see this as a huge step forward. We just, we have to unionize in order to make that happen. And they did unionize. The Star Garden dancers officially unionized in May of 2023. And it is so cool to look back and see this little seed of what was to come with these local stripper unionization efforts. And a lot of that is due to Antonia. So thank you so much to Antonia on so many levels. I actually did a follow-up with her to get her 2023 perspective. Plus I wanted to get the backstory on her experience at the Lusty Lady. So stay tuned for part two with Antonia Crane next week. And to get notified of the latest Private Parts Unknown episodes, look down and make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player now. It's a little bell button on Spotify. On most apps, it's like a follow or a subscribe button. And to stay in touch between episodes, follow me at Courtney Kosak. That is K-O-C-A-K on Instagram and Twitter. And follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And privates, I am shamelessly trying to hit the top 1% on OnlyFans by my three-year anniversary in just a couple weeks. So if you are interested in a Playboy-style peek behind the podcast, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans account. It is OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. That is OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. And subscribe to our newsletter at privatepartsunknown.substack.com. The link is in the episode description. And the Private Parts Unknown YouTube channel is poppin' baby. It is back up and it is running. There are new videos daily. 
There are videos with Gigi Engel, Amanda McNeil, Dr. Amir Marashi, Multi-Amory, and so many more on the channel. So check it out. It is youtube.com slash private parts unknown. Again, youtube.com slash private parts unknown. And make sure you subscribe. That totally helps us out in the algorithm, even if you plan on listening to the podcast, not really watching the YouTube channel. Shout out to Amy Roush for the bomb ass theme music. For more info about Amy and her music, check out amyroush.com. That's Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by my ride or die audio guy, Michael Castaneda of Plastic Audio. And after enjoying this content, could we ask you for a quick favor? Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give us a five-star rating and review. We are trying to hit some rating goals for Hot Pod Summer, you guys. We're trying to get to 350 on Apple Podcasts and 150 on Spotify by the end of this summer. I actually just got a new review and it made me feel amazing. So I want to read it really quick. It is from vdog707 and it says love it love the show lots of fun insights in many different erotic lifestyles and sexy interests keep up the good work thank you vdog i will keep up the good work and it's inspiration like that that keeps me going so listen privates these ratings and reviews help other people find the show it makes me feel good and it really is a good signal to big guests that this is a show that they should go on. So it really helps with guest booking too. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, just give us a five-star rating and a sentence or two in a review of what you love about the show. And if you are listening on Spotify, you can just go to the upper left-hand corner of our page, click the star button, and then click all five stars. And no matter where you're listening, you can help us out. You just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash private, and it'll give you a few different options, including Apple, of places that you can rate and review the show. And seriously, it would mean the world if you did that. And wait, there's one more way you can help support the show. We are now on the Fountain app. So if you are listening on a V4V platform and you get value from this show, you can support us by sending a boostogram. And you can even send a comment along with your boost. And I have to say, those are my very favorite messages to get because they come with money. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking with me to the end, privates. I love you all so much. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring. <laughs> <laughs>